Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome then to the second episode of the Wisdom Extra podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange. I'm your host this week, uh, Phil Walker, as well as bringing you a daily podcast throughout the World Cup. You can't have enough podcasts these days. Once a week, we'll be bringing you a little extra something, a special bumper show digesting all the action so far. And looking forward to the week ahead with a sprinkling of expert tips for those of you that way inclined. So... The 2019 Men's Cricket World Cup is here and it's not going anywhere. We've seen all the teams, well, all bar one with India keeping its powder dry until Wednesday. They don't get out of bed for less than 10 grand and made any number of snap judgments and wild generalizations based on the fare we've seen so far. In such a spirit, it's my great pleasure to welcome <laughs> Mr. Neil Manthorpe, South African man of letters, if you don't mind, and one of the most urbane and insightful commentators in the game. Welcome, Neil. Thank you for having me. Uh, and a wisdom podcast without the ineffable Joe Harmon just wouldn't feel right. So naturally enough, he's with us too. Hello Hi again, Phil. Joe. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same as I was yesterday. <laughs> okay, so five days in to this particular jamboree, and here are the headlines. Afghanistan are not going gently into the good night, preferring to hit their way into trouble, then out of trouble, and then back into it again. Australia's David Warner smacks an unbeaten 89 to confirm once and for all that he's not going to be that he's going to be bothering English sensibilities and the top of the run charts right through to the bitter end. The West Indies are on a joyous nostalgia trip, bowling quick and short and flaying it with abandon and clearly fancying their chances of going deep in this one, while Pakistan went from abject to inspired in the space of a few days. Heard that one before? to get a foothold in the big show. Less than a week in, however, and one of the big boys is already clinging on with South Africa going down twice at the Oval in the space of four days. Perhaps the feel-good story of the show so far is Bangladesh after they smashed their highest ODI score against the South Africans and held their nerve to claim yet another big scalp in a marquee tournament. Sri Lanka went down by 10 against 10 wickets against New Zealand. They were lucky it was only 10. And dear old England are one from two, having not played especially well in either match despite cruising past 300 twice and bringing up the first and second centuries of the tournament. In short, 
it's all getting rather tasty. Neil Manthorpe, you've seen a lot of cricket in your time. We're five days into this tournament. What are your impressions from what you've seen so far? Liking it a lot. Like, uh, I, a couple of takeaways. Um, one is that a very popular refrain amongst the captains and all the teams was that anybody could beat anybody else on any given day. That seems to have been handed out by the ICC. Maybe notes were pushed under the doors of their <laughs> hotel rooms. Never. And, um, and, and I think it's true. I, uh, that's not really been the case um, at a World Cup, I don't think, um, since 1992, when this was the, was the last time we had this format. But, mm. you know, just what Pakistan <laughs> blown away for 120, come back and make 340 and beat England. Yeah. So I actually do. I mean, I actually think Afghanistan could beat anybody on a given day. Yeah, it feels like the tournament really caught fire today, as you say. We, we saw the, the, the denouement of that particular game, Pakistan extraordinarily held held it all together uh, with a rampant England uh, trying to chase that one down uh, I think 20 odd runs they, they won that one in the end Pakistan obviously they'd stunk the place out on day two against West Indies all out for 100 and not much to lose by seven wickets and today they've got their got their their foothold in the tournament Joe Harmon we're still trying to make sense of it without wanting to get too England centric too quickly what was your impression of it well, yeah, you say it came to life today. Uh, I felt like it actually came to life yesterday with Bangladesh's win. Over I don't South remember Africa. yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but really, uh, the Asian side had started slowly. Three defeats out of three. Sri Lanka's was, was an absolute pasting. Afghanistan showed some fight against Australia. Uh, and then Bangladesh comes to the party. Pakistan follow today. Uh, and as Neil says, suddenly we've got that prospect of after having four one-sided contests, this feeling that actually everyone can beat everyone. Um, and I think I said in our first podcast that the worst thing, as an England fan, the worst thing that could possibly happen is we go to the semi-finals having won nine out of nine. So thank God we've got that one out of the way early. That's done. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and now we can just kind of cruise, cruise I on. See. So you're referring to the to the blip narrative. Absolutely, yeah. Fine. We needed it. Neil, you, you were there at the Oval um, on, when was it, Sunday now, when, when South Africa went down for a second time in four days at the Oval to... Uh, to Bangladesh, um, what was your impressions? Firstly, of Bangladesh, let's let's take the positives from that afternoon. First of all, they played outstanding and inspired cricket. They did, and you know they've not been short of talent. Um, maybe short of pace, but that's all. That's all over the years. Um, and a game plan and their decision making, I don't think, has been um, very good. But there's been no short of flair for, for a long time now. And they've won in the last couple of years. They've won series against South Africa, um, India, Pakistan, all in Bangladesh. But, you know, they're a team that has long, long since overcome their underachieving underdog status. And I think now, though, um, uh, there was a beautiful sight a couple of times. The cameras picked up Bangladesh's new batting coach. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil McKenzie, and he 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 had the air of a man who'd just accidentally seen his mother naked, <laughs> and he was he just looked embarrassed, um, and he looked embarrassed at how South Africa were performing. But I think, I mean, he was an immensely popular batting coach for South Africa. He was really popular with the players, and and very very good at his job. I mean, he's quite a technician for all his eccentricities, and I think that I, I mean I may be doing him. Um, giving him more credit than he deserves. But, but you know, the, the results are there, aren't they? I mean, the Bangladesh beat the West Indies three times in a triangular in, in Ireland. And, and Stephen Rhodes is obviously doing a very good job as, as head coach. So I was really impressed uh, with Bangladesh. You know, um, South Africa were 
spectacularly inflexible and stubborn with their game plan. It was like, oh, it's Bangladesh. They can't play the short ball, can they? Let's go out and bomb them. It did Let's feel just one bowl. Yeah. It was one plan A. It was plan A and a stubborn refusal to move away from it. And, you know, I mean, they could have seen the signs when Sumi Osaka made 42 off 30 balls and actually played the short ball really well. And everyone else continued to play the short ball really well. So South Africa kept serving it up. Which surprised me as well, because I think of Duplessis as one of the more kind of adaptable captains in world cricket, certainly one of the, the better thinkers of, of the, about the game. But is that because of the limited options? Is disposable not help with some of the injuries that South Africa suffered? Or do you think it was more fundamental? They were just actually weren't thinking straight or weren't thinking imaginatively enough. It's hard to control bowlers, isn't it? Your captain can tell them what to do, but they're the fast bowlers particularly. And and your champion, of course, is Rabada, who seemed oddly detached to me in those first couple of games. Is he... Is he carrying an injury? Is he? Is, is there something maybe behind the scenes? It's just he's normally such a potent and explosive cricketer, and that there's not that's not really come across in those, those first two games yet. Yeah, and it's not just him. I mean, Dale Stain was sixty percent fit when they picked the squad. He hasn't played a game. He's going to probably play against India, and he's still not a hundred percent fit. Lungi Ngidi wasn't fit. He clearly wasn't fit in the opening game against England. He yeah. was bowling at one hundred and thirty, mm. and Kahisa Rabada left the IPL early when uh, one of those hotspot things showed that he was perilously close to to, to a, a stress fracture right. in his back. So, um, you know, and he, he went to be back to South Africa and he spent hundreds of hours, maybe not that many, in an oxygen chamber to speed up the recovery process. But you're absolutely right with your observation because he's tentative, isn't he? He's, I mean, he's, he's running in with a bloke who's worried about his back and yeah. that's not good for a fast bowler. Do we have to then give them a degree of slack? You know, there seems to be a lot of a lot of bad things happening all at once here with with this South African setup. Amla's concussion, as Amla's well, was concussion another, as another well. Thrown in. Um, and that's just in the squad, Phil. Back home in South Africa, the South African Cricketers Association have just taken Cricket South Africa to the High Court. So you know, there's a massive, what massive for? dispute. Because Cricket South Africa said they were going to completely restructure the domestic game, and um, which would result in 80 professionals losing their jobs. So, you know, the, the, the trade union is uh, up in arms as well. And pro-tiers are very much involved in that. You know, they're, they're hands-on. It's not just something that happens in an office they don't know much about. So there's, there's discord um, and unhappiness and injuries and all sorts going on. And... and s- Separate but perhaps connected as well. And we've got the, the cold pack issue with several South Africans kind of defecting and coming and playing over here. We've also got A.B. de Villiers. I mean, you did a fantastic interview with um, de Villiers uh, in one of our early issues of Risden Cricket Monthly, just before he came, just after he came back to international cricket. And I sp- thought he spoke very openly and candidly about his reasons for why he had stepped aside. Then obviously he had this spell where he batted brilliantly as well, by the way. And then obviously stepped away again. And I could understand that Test cricket maybe he's kind of reached the end for that. But why is he not playing in this World Cup? I, I can't. I've, there are obviously reasons that I don't know. But can you shed any light on that? For just em- enormous unhappiness about and and a lack of empathy from his employers about the fact that you know senior players and sometimes junior players and all of us actually have a, a love-hate relationship with cricket it takes Just a lot about it. It <laughs> <laughs> it's true isn't it it takes a lot out of you and and when you've been playing international cricket for 12 years 
with all that weight of expectation on de Villiers' shoulders and, and, a, and a young family, he was, you know, it was like a marriage that he was, he was trying to get together. He was sort of suggesting maybe some counselling and <laughs> maybe some time away from each other. And, and, and he hadn't got over that. And unfortunately, um, his bosses said, well, you know, what is it then? What, what are you, you're either in or, or you're out. Uh, you, you can't pick and choose your tours. Well, he shouldn't have been picking and choosing his tours. They should have been doing it for him. Yeah, sure. So with, with a degree of flexibility and less intransigence, AB would have been playing in this tournament. Absolutely, 100%. Oh. It's a, and it's a gaping hole he leaves on that side, isn't it? Which is stating the obvious because he's such a brilliant player, but particularly given the limitations of the South African side at the moment, it, just every time you watch them bat, you're like, this is where you should kick on. This is where you need, you need AB. And uh, instead they've got David Miller, who obviously could play a similar role, but it doesn't seem to be in great nick. Um, and then the, the lower order seems to start at, well number seven and there's not much coming coming from them okay I don't want this to become the South African post more than five days into a 40 odd day tournament when they could still go on and win the thing when of course yeah and they have India on Wednesday down in Southampton Uh, that should be a humdinger Joe five days in what have you discovered perhaps what I've relearned was the first day of the World Cup I was at the Oval for England South Africa but not as a journalist as a a fan Uh, and it's the only day I'll be a fan rather than journalist throughout the World Cup you mean you can't be both well obviously I am both but you mean specifically a fan on on this day Uh, and we're we're all in a hugely privileged position this is an incredible job to have and a lot of my friends don't even consider it a job to be honest but it was a reminder being there for that opening game of the World Cup what despite being eventually one-sided, a very good game as well, potentially looked like it could have been a very close finish at one stage. Uh, it just reminded me that nothing can beat being a fan, particularly on an occasion like that. And the Ben Stokes catch was taken about five yards in front of me this and my friends. It. Slow, it, slow it down and there's a Joe Harmon in the top left Absolutely, corner. Absolutely, looking a little worse for wear after a few too many IPAs. But, but what <laughs> struck me though was how reserved your reaction was. Everyone else was losing their, their stuff completely and you were still, there was still the journalist in there somewhere. Or Joe. the IPAs, but either, either yeah, way. Okay. <laughs> no, no, genuinely. I, but that, that was a great photo I think I sent you as well. The, the fans around me, the kind of reactions to that catch, Ben Stokes' reaction to that catch, uh, and then there was the brilliance that it appeared on, what, five or six um, front pages yeah. of the newspapers the next day, which is obviously what cricket needs in this country and what we're hoping the World Cup will bring us. Neil, I don't know if you've picked up on this or not, but we are almost existentially uptight about the future of cricket in England. And when Stokes did what he did and there was a bit of cut through into the more mainstream press, we were absolutely exultant about this. Uh, we worry constantly about where cricket's place is in 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 English life or British life is the same kind of tension around South African cricket back back home where you're from that constant angst about the future well um <clears throat> no <clears throat> it's not not to the same level and have you sensed it since you've been here as well oh uh, long before I mean <laughs> all the all the 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 hand wringing about the the hundred, um, which I'm still utterly bewildered by. Tell um, me about it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I I just it is extraordinary, isn't it? But but being a sort of semi amateur historian, I know that that this is something that's been going on in British life for a century and a half. You know, you can go back and find articles about the future of, of cricket and the and it, the game will be dead from 1911. Sure. You know, and uh, you know, so it's it's not it's not new, but I I, I do sense that, um, that this generation is particularly uptight about <laughs> about what's going to be happening. And I and I mean, it is because every time 
I come over, it's for a South African tour or the yep. Champions Trophy or, an, or a World Cup. And, um, and so I, I don't see the downtimes, really. I don't... I don't uh, well, I, you do on coming here on the underground, you pick up the standard and you can't find any cricket in it. There's a World Cup going on and there's, is Maurizio Pochettino going to be at Spurs? Oh, let's not Two go pages. down that road. <laughs> God, that's going to bring some real angst now <laughs> if we go down that road. I can cope with talking about England cricket. I can't cope with talking about Spurs. But anyway... Um, your impressions of England, obviously you saw them live at the Oval on day one on Thursday last week and you'd have caught bits of today in that extraordinary game against Pakistan. Um, your impressions of them as a side at the moment and their, and their chances of doing it finally. Very strong, but really, uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, they, 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 it's impossible for them not to get to the semi-finals, surely. They, they're so strong. Um, you know, most squads have got, uh, 11 or 12 who are competing for a starting place and then a couple of substitutes. England don't. Um, so they... they uh, what I wasn't aware of um, is that although England has scored more runs than any other team in the last two years, they've conceded more than anyone other than Sri Lanka, isn't it? So um, I think that's right. I mean, obviously the two are interlinked. Because we're, the, the, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of runs on the board, and therefore <laughs> teams come out and play their shots. But it has been a concern, and hence the huge excitement about Joffre Archer's arrival in the lead up to the tournament. He was seen as the kind of missing piece in the jigsaw. Um, I thought so he was a bit unlucky today. Did, what, what did you think of Archer's Archer's spell? Did you see him? Um, I, what struck me about it was how he showed his human side. He showed yeah. his petulant side. Um, up until now, there's just been this kind of force field around him of sort of impenetrable call as if he's anticipating what's going to happen before it even plays out. Today, you saw him get a little bit riled. You saw him get a little bit frustrated with himself. You saw him shouting at fielders and kicking the turf. A yeah. couple of bouncer wides, you know, which for a fast bowler, that is going to get under your skin. But uh, up until today, he'd seemed otherworldly. But today... He looked like an England cricketer <laughs> with all of those fragilities and vulnerabilities that go into that package. Um, yeah, he certainly didn't deserve to go for naught for 80 and 10 overs. Definitely not. Uh, but, but it is interesting when you look at this, this attack. You know, I thought they, they bowled and fielded excellently at the Oval against South Africa. Today, it was a, it was a 5 out of 10 at best performance, really, in the field. Um, exemplified by, by Jason Roy's struggles. You know, he's a brilliant, brilliant fielder at backward point, but he was... He had a day to forget, and with the bat as well. I can't believe he reviewed that, that LBW oh, no. decision. Um, th- there are issues around England's, England's bowling side. Rashid, five, five overs for 43. I mean, he's been, he's been lethal now, Rashid, for two or three years in one-day cricket. But um, In fairness, Pakistan have played him brilliantly all, I was going to say, all summer. We've only just started the summer, but, you know, we had a 5-1 ODI series, and they played him really well in that. Yep. He's also had shoulder issues, hasn't he? So is he perhaps able to put the same rip on the ball as he, as he usually might. Well, yeah, and they were talking about that on, uh, on TV today. But you know, Ed Smith was very clear in his press conference about, about Rashid, why they brought Dawson into the side, because Rashid's shoulder is an ongoing concern and they wanted proper, good quality spin bowling cover for that. It was interesting that there was very little lateral movement um, very little off the pitch from Rashid today. He bowled a lot of balls out the front of the hand, a lot of toppers and so on, which suggests that maybe he's not feeling quite as, as loose and fluid as he has in, in previous previous games. But we'll have to see, really. It, it was reassuringly uh, vulnerable to watch England today, I found, you know, because we, we've got totally carried away with this machine-like uh, England side. And, of course, they're not. They're not that. And it was a good reminder, I think, that, 
they're not going to have it all their own way. And as you say, nine in a row going into a semi-final. Nothing worse. That would be awful. <laughs> other, other stuff, Neil. Did you see much of the West Indies game? You know, they, they were delightful. There was a kind of atavistic sense of the West Indies. It was like they were kind of taking themselves back, a quantum leap back into the late 70s, early 80s. It was glorious to watch, I thought. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, it's the first time in 10 years, maybe, maybe more, 12 years, that the West Indies have picked their strongest team. Um, the only the only hole, their only weakness is a, a match-winning spinner. Sunil Narayan um, declined the invitation. Well, he wasn't. He he said, "Please don't send me an invitation." He didn't want to play um, in the World Cup. He's re- he's not ready for it. His actions not. But uh, you know, Andre Russell. Uh, it was just fa- so great to see him back in the West yeah. Indies team after decades of of mismanagement. A little bit of sense has overtaken West Indies, a little bit of compromise as well. And as you rightly say, now they've brought back some of these, these players who have been on the periphery, you know, due to their own, their own call in many cases. And there is now that sense of, of, a, of a potent team with, with, with energy as well. You know, there's, there's youth in the middle, there's experience up top. They're led brilliantly by a very smart and eloquent captain. And they've got some bruisers to run in and explore the middle of the pitch. Yeah, exactly. There's, I mean, I think the only thing they need to get right is is getting the right people to do the heavy lifting in the middle overs. You don't want Andre Russell. You can't expect him to bat 30 overs or necessarily bowl all 10 overs because, um, you know, he's he's a T20 specialist. Yeah, um, and, and carrying an injury, it looks like, as well. A little, little niggle. Yeah, he went he, off injured during that. Yeah, that uh, well, he, he's always got a, a niggle of some sort. But, yeah. you know, if they've got, they've got the right guys, Darren Bravo, I mean, he needs to bat through the middle overs and have all that explosive stuff at the end. Um but Shimron Hetma is a wonderful talent as well. Sh- uh, and Puran as well. Puran came oh, in at four. He smashes it. Yeah, he it? came in at four with Hetmeyer at five, which is probably the way they're going to go. And obviously Hope opened the batting uh, with Gale. Do you like, Joe, their formulation at the minute? Definitely. I think there is a question mark about their adaptability, which we've talked about previously, and we've highlighted the lack of a, a spinner there. They're the one side that, I mean, they've got an atrocious record in... ODI bilateral series over the last few years but it, as you say it's irrelevant because they haven't had the best team out in the way that they have now and there's evidently if the feel good factor from the test series win against England even though a lot of the personnel isn't the same has clearly carried over to this to this one day side and the fact that I mean Chris Chris Gale didn't look a particularly happy figure in the West Indies side for quite a few years having the years. time of his life now having a brilliant time and as you said Holden manages him absolutely brilliantly mm. uh, and they've also got some depth now as well I think Kemar Roach wasn't picked for that first game Shannon Gabriel wasn't fit but is, is I think now available to come right. back into the side um, you've got Evan Lewis who didn't play as well who's an explosive opener mm-hmm. suddenly from looking at a kind of a, a sort of you've got maybe four or five good players now they've got kind of eight, nine, and a couple on the bench who could really change a game. New Zealand cricket saw this coming uh, years ago, and they said to their best players, look, we won't schedule any international cricket during the IPL, so you can go over there. We can't can't possibly cope... um, compete mm. with the money that you can earn over there and in other domestic T20 leagues. And they said, we would like you to play for your country if you want to, as often as you can, and we'll do everything we can to facilitate you maximising your earning potential and playing for your country. Um, and that's one of the reasons why New Zealand have been so, so good uh, in recent in recent years. I mean, they're always, they're perennial semi-finalists at World Cups, aren't they? But uh, but the West Indies are in exactly the same situation now. Finally, Ricky Skerritt's a brilliant, practical, sensible man, and he said to, to, to all of the guys, 
We don't all the all the best players, all the big names. We don't expect you to play every series, um, because because we can't match the money that you can earn. We cannot possibly match. The, but but if you want to play for the region, if you want to represent the Caribbean, we'll do everything we can. And that's I mean it's it's completely transformed. They are. They, they. Uh, I was in the West Indies in January and February, and you know Jason Holder's favourite uh, saying was, "We, we are one. Mm. We are as one." Yeah, it's, it's really, it's given the whole game a bit of a fillip, isn't it? Given it a boost that, that, that this, this culture that we all cling to and we're all, we're, we gravitate towards. It felt like it was a kind of a, a slow and rather painful death at certain points. You know, certainly in the last. 10 to 15 years to see the defibrillators being taken back to the West Indies is a real joy I think for everybody uh, and it would be fabulous to see them really go deep in that in this tournament I want to ask you Neil why we've got you here and albeit it's a small sample size so far just five <laughs> days in we haven't even seen India pick up a bat yet you know why don't you it would no. be it would be TV stuff it would be, no, be money, no, no it wasn't Oh no! It's something the else IPL. I learned. Is it the IPL that they wanted to rest? Yes, the, yeah. BC, the BCCI said to the ICC, the <laughs> neutral administrators of international cricket, um, we'd like uh, an extra week off because uh, the boys will be a bit tired <laughs> after the IPL. Tired. Oh my god! I mean, I, I know. I went. I mean, you know, I, I really. Work of the fixture list. Well, really no, no. no, not at all. The, I, the BCCI said the boys would appreciate an extra week off, and the ICC well, said, "How high do you want us to jump?" <laughs> okay. So South Africa's tournament could be effectively over after <laughs> India have played one game. <laughs> All right, well, a little sense of the balance of power there. Um, okay, uh, just quickly on the West Indies as well. I, we've got West Indies Australia on Thursday, yeah. I believe, which yeah. that should be, I can't wait to watch that one. That should be a really good game. We haven't touched on Australia yet. At all in this, no, I, I was I was going to mention the A word uh, next. Actually, I'm, Joe. I'm getting a bit worried. They might be looking rather good, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> they are. And they've got some. They've got some clearly world class players. And then the second tier, you think, is it that strong eleven overall? But actually, with the op- with their opening batsmen, the opening bowlers, they can do a lot of the heavy lifting. Then Australia are going to be in prime position for a semi final spot. And if they get to the semi finals, no one's writing Australia off, are they? No, indeed. I think they've got seven, seven or eight top-class potential World Cup winners, but I don't think they have the consistency throughout their 11. I'm trying to convince myself that that's the case, that there is there are a few average cricketers in there um, that they will be carrying, and they don't maybe have the, the absolute depth that one or two other sides have. <laughs> but that might just be me cope, hopelessly clutching at straws, who can say. Um, all, will be, all will play out, of course, in due course, but I just want to ask you, Neil, who are your, who are your finalists? Who are your finalists at this stage? Can't I go for semi-finalists? All right, let's do that. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> your last four, four. four is easier. Your last four. Um, well, three uh, I think will will make semi-finals quite easily. Um, I think that's England, India, and uh, you're going to say. <laughs> well, actually, I I've, I went I went for New Zealand months ago, and and so I'm not going to change that. Uh, and I'm beginning to think actually that Australia might uh, might. But I was thinking that you know that would be a real scrap for the fourth semi-final spot: West Indies, Australia, Pakistan, South Africa. I thought the, initially, but <laughs> now you'd have to throw Bangladesh in the mix as well, wouldn't you? Really? I don't think they'll they'll be able to make the semi-finals, no. but no. Um, so so um, I'm going for New Zealand, and um, and and I, 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 between Australia and and the West Indies. And the West Indies. Well, that 
game on Thursday that you mentioned at Trent Bridge, that becomes a big one in the context uh, of that of that formula, at least. We'll have to wait and see. Um, okay, throughout the tournament, of course, uh, on this uh, Cricket Extra Betfair podcast, we'll be um, going to people who know far more about, about the ups and downs of this game than, than you or I, Joe. Uh, and I spoke to Ed Hawkins uh, earlier, the betting.betfair's cricket correspondent, um, who's got a few tasty morsels to look forward to over the next few days. Okay, I'm here with Ed Hawkins, betting.betfair cricket correspondent, and we're looking forward to the next few days of cricket. Um, Ed, you've got a few bets lined up for us, a few a few interesting angles as well. Um, what have you got for us initially? Well, I guess we'll start with um, India versus South Africa coming up. We're quite happy to have a game like that down at Southampton because we know what's basically going to be happening down there. It's going to be runs. There's going to yeah. be lots of them because it's an absolute road and... We've got an India team who are vying with England to be that top batting side in the tournament. It's a question of deciding which of the holy trinity, really, of that India batting lineup is going to do the business for us and our top run scorer. Mm-hmm. And so we're saying Sharma, you know, Dewan, and of course King Kohli in those three, yeah. Exactly, yeah, and you know King Kohli because of the type of guy he is. You know, he's like honey falling from a spoon. He's absolutely a joy to watch, isn't he? <laughs> and probably the greatest player there's ever been but we tend to take him on in this market because he doesn't have the record um, when stacked up against somebody like Rohit you know, Rohit has this opportunity to bat in the power play overs mm-hmm. he has an opportunity to bat for longer and he's got a better record uh, in terms of a hit rate on winning the top bat market so if, if, we're, if we're looking for a roundabout bet um, on top India run score if we can get 16 to 5 Mm-hmm. Um, Rohit maybe even a bit chunkier than that okay. uh, we know Kohli's going to go off very very short um, but Rohit has a better record of winning this market than King Kohli and I okay. think that's always an interesting thing for, for punters to try and get their heads around just because Kohli is you know, technically is the best player in the world and mm-hmm. he's got this huge reputation that doesn't actually translate into being in a good bet in, into him being a good bet on a market such as this one okay excellent next one uh, next one uh, coming back in time I'm going to look at the Afghan Afghanistan Sri Lanka match in, in Cardiff mm-hmm. um, it's a tricky one to, to work out I, I guess because um you know, Sri Lanka have started off very, very poorly against New Zealand, and it's a it's a bit of a um, mess their squad at the moment. They've left some of their best batsmen and bowlers at home. Mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be basically experimenting in this World Cup, which is a which is a novel way of approaching the tournament. Yep. <laughs> I guess um, they've got absolutely hammered first game up against the yep. Kiwis. Um, Afghanistan have had a little bit of a struggle against the Australians. Um, the, the occasion got to them a bit, I think, and you know, some of the, some of the shot making uh, in that match was introduced, to say the least. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think this is one of the possibly one of the bets of the tournament um, for Afghanistan to take Sri Lanka down. Here. Okay. Um, what would you get them for? The well, we might we might get um, we might get around two to one, maybe a little bit bigger than that. Um, I think at the start of the tournament, I was very, very keen on Sri Lanka to finish bottom. Mm-hmm. And Sri Lanka are about four to one to, to do that, um, and you can still you can still get you can still get odds around that if you hunt hunt about um, not as big as fours, of course, but 
Um, maybe something like 13 to 8, you might get Sri Lanka to finish okay. bottom. So there's a bet there as well. But the Afghans to, to take down Sri Lanka in this match is, is, is going to be a good bet, particularly in running. Um, if Sri Lanka have a period where they get a foothold in the game, you'll yep. certainly get bigger than 2 to 1 at Afghanistan. So, so stick with Rashid and Mohammed Nabi and uh, Zai Zai to get the business done there. All right. Lovely. And just finally and briefly, if you could, just your third uh, bet for the week. Third bet of the week in, in Bangladesh, New Zealand. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of Ross Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, his record is phenomenal in the last couple of years since he's, he's basically got new eyes. Yeah. Um, after, his, <laughs> after, his, after his op, he's a terrific bloke. And um, he's always, always underrated on top New Zealand run scorer. He's going to go off about 4-1 to one here and he should be about 5-2, to two, I think, on hit rate Brilliant. in this market in the last two years. So, Superb. you know, he's got people to beat in Guptill and Colin Munro started off very, very well. But um, I think Bangladesh bowling attack might have a bit more fire and potency to them than the the, um, the Sri Lankans did and, and Ross Taylor might get a def- decent hit in this game and look he's value he's the wrong price and that's all we're looking for in, in, when it comes to betting Ed Hawkins betting.betfair credit correspondent thank you ever so much for your time uh, and we'll be back with you uh, later on in the tournament cheers mate cheers okay we're turning to the part of the show that you're all waiting for, no doubt. The Phil V. Joe Challenge. We really should have come up with a better name than that, shouldn't we? Yeah, I think you need kind of more uh, aggression in your voice for a challenge as well. Yeah, the Phil V. Joe Challenge. Yeah. Uh, armed with 100 quid, kindly donated by Betfair. Over the course of the World Cup, Joe and I will be going head-to-head in a betting challenge with all proceeds on the distinctly off chance that there's going to be any going to Chance to Shine, of course, the charity that's doing wonderful work getting cricket back into state schools. Um, Joe, last week's bets, uh, mm. what's still running for you from last week's punts? So, uh, my longer term ones were Jason Roy to be top run scorer of the tournament. Right. So, started started well. well and then obviously failed against Pakistan today. So, that's, so a 60 and an 8, well, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. so that, that's on running. Okay. Pat Cummins to be top wicket taker in the tournament, uh, took three for against Afghanistan, so mm-hmm. that's a, a promising start. Uh, and then Sri Lanka to be wooden spoonists, uh, which they gave every impression of, of being wooden spoonists in their defeat to New Zealand. So feeling com- comfortable with two and a half of three. I yeah, OK. Um, Neil's still with us. Um, he's drinking his beer and he's now picked up his microphone. We didn't mention Sri Lanka earlier, really. Um, agonising to, to watch them last week, did you find? I picked them for wooden spoonists ages ago. Yeah. You know, and they, they're all over the place, aren't they? Absolutely hopeless. Um Lasset Malinga and Angelo Matthews are two quality players, but I'm not sure they're... I think they may have passed their sell-by date. peak fitness, are they? No, they're not. <laughs> um, so, I, I absolutely, if I'd, uh, if I'd been in on the challenge, that would have... 10th place, definitely. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, you're running along quite nicely there, Joe. I'm going to give you mine that are still running from, from last week, my tournament-based bets. Rohit Sharma, who's yet to pick up a bat. Um, I've got him on the exchange at 20s. Quinton de Kock at 18s. Now, the problem with this is that it's looking increasingly likely that South Africa are going to play nine games uh, and then they'll be packing their bags. De Kock was run out second game, yeah. batting nicely uh, for 20-odd, I think. And he made a, a good 67, I think it he's was. He's in great touch. That is <laughs> the, the, the snag is he's playing in a team that's a bit down in the, down yeah. in the dumps. So... 
Yeah, I'm not massively. With a new ball I'm not the next massively well, hopeful. Yeah, yeah, I'm not massively hopeful for that one. However, check this one out, Neil. Root and England at 33s. Root and England. Um, Root to be top run scorer. England to win the thing at 33 to one. Root has already made a 50 and a hundred. Um, I'm feeling rather excited. Well, you about were quite smug one. about this before the tournament had even started, and your smugness has gone up another level. Yeah, here. me smug never. I'm not having that. I All right. can't believe that's 33 to one. Root to top scorer in the tournament, and England to win it. In England to win it. At 33, 33 to one. Indeed. And by Indeed. the way, I, I coming I really down by like, the minute. I like Quinton de Kock uh, because um, I'm not sure that Hashim Amla will um, play that anchor role. I'm not sure how much he's going. How much more is he actually going to play in the tournament? So, de Kock four years ago really really hurt I mean South Africa dragged him onto the plane and (laughs) patched him up with sticky tape and put him back out onto the pitch every every time he was 40% fit Um, he had a dreadful tournament and it's been hurting him for four years really Um, so so uh, I've never seen him more determined to to make to stamp his authority on on a particular series just on that as an aside I would love to see South Africa beat India on Wednesday, and it's not no anti-India bias. I like watching India, India play cricket, but for the for the future of the tournament, you you don't want to see one of the big teams already drifting out to the sidelines. You know, you want to see South Africa come through. And in the same way, there was some pleasure to be taken in Pakistan beating loads England of pleasure today as well. Loads of pleasure. And um, okay, your new bets, Joe. Your bets for the next week, building up to next Monday when we'll we'll be recording episode three of this one. Yeah, well, Ed Hawkins clearly knows what he's talking about because he does this for a profession. Uh, so I'm going to just steal his Rohit Sharma top run scorer against South Africa. So that's, okay, that's probably in the bank, isn't it? Seven Ed, seven to two, I think he is against. Okay, yeah, seven to two. That's on Sportsbook. Um, a little outside bet. Uh, Nicholas Poran's top score for West Indies versus Australia. We said how uh, brilliantly he batted uh, for that little cameo the other day against uh, uh, Pakistan. Yeah. Uh, and he's 8-1 to one on Sportsbook, which considering he's probably going to bat four, I think that's pretty pretty decent odds. Yeah. Well, I've got exactly the same one, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's, that's right. okay. That's okay. I think Mediocre minds that. think alike. <laughs> I think and I think no, there's some, some logic there. I think Australia obviously got a brilliant new ball attack. I could see Cummins and Stark making some early breakthroughs from that kind of perhaps second string, third string seamers aren't quite up to it. So Pora might might make hay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And your third and final one? Third and final one was West Indies to beat South Africa next Monday. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, they'll both have played a game before that. Uh, but this is on the exchange. So yep. I can double down all A. Yeah. Depending Bang on, on. the others. I'm, I'm learning as I go. Bang on. But... <laughs> <laughs> depending on how their other results go, okay. uh, which could be quite clever. All right, so you'll be putting a, fi- <laughs> a fiver on each of those, as, uh, as we did last week? Three on poor, and I'm just taking it easy. Got, it's, <laughs> a long, it's a long tournament. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Okay, um, I'm going with... It's more more the odds rather than the likelihood, uh, which is why you know I, I so rarely make any money. Uh, Bangladesh, 13-5 to five to beat New Zealand at the Oval. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to gonna go with the Tigers again. Uh, my rationale is flimsy, but I'm going to go with it. They played brilliantly at the Oval last last time out. It's it's a kind of track that would suit that suits Bangladesh's stroke makers. They like the, the the ball coming onto the bat. They'll have good vibes around the ground. It'll be a home game for them as well. Um, it'll be on a on a, a worn pitch as well, so they might get a little bit more purchase with the two spinners. Uh, and while New Zealand. I think we'll creep through into the semis as as Neil does as well. I think 
I think if there is going to be a potential upset for New Zealand to go against New Zealand, then it might be Bangladesh. We're obviously riding riding the wave Back from, the from what again. happened last week. At thirteen to five, yeah. I quite fancy that one. Um, as I say, Puran again eight to one to bat number four. I think any any odds eight to one for a number four in an order um, in England where you do do a little bit with the first ten overs with that white ball, then then I fancy that. And Adam Zampa with a bit of a nod from my man, Mr. Manfield. Adam Zampa. the winnings there, of course. Given yeah, well, naturally, yeah. 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 Oh, well, actually, it was all going to Chance to Shine, isn't it? Chance, so, Chance to Shine and, and, and a sportsman's between me and Neil. Adam Zampa, West Indies, 7-1. to one. Um, He'll be in those middle overs. He's a wicket taker. Uh, the West Indies will, will see him in his Alice band, 5-8, for eight, turning it away and think, right, you'll go in the distance. Andre Russell's not going to like that, is he? No. He's going to have to no. have a piece of him. So there you go. Bangladesh right. to win. Nicholas Poran uh, and Zampa against right, the Windies. All right, well, may the best man win. Please, please, please gamble responsibly. Okay, then, folks. Neil, uh, what are you looking forward to for the next few days in this crazy tournament? It's hard to look beyond South Africa and to to see how they cope with with the the pressure. They they were so laid back. You know, all the talk. Their their big motto before the tournament was, "We're going to fly under the radar." Um, and they forgot that aeroplanes that do that tend to crash tend into to small cr- hills and tall buildings. Um, and that's exactly what's happened to them. <laughs> so I, w- I am looking forward to seeing how, how and if they're able to bounce back. I'm, and I'm looking forward to seeing India. And, um, I, you know, I've, I've just spent my first week in London. So um, I'm looking forward to getting out and about and seeing Nottingham and Taunton, actually, and Bristol and, you know, getting out and about a bit. Right. the English sunshine. Yeah, exactly. Been warm recently. Joey? Uh, well, I've touched on West Indies Australia already, but more specifically, I'm looking forward to Mitchell Stark versus Chris Gale uh, on Thursday. Yep. Fastest bowler in the tournament against the biggest hitter in the tournament. Uh, there can only be one winner. Uh, personally, I can't wait to see India uh, swagger out there at South at Southampton well on rested. Wednesday. Well uh, rested, after yeah. The, after that extra week's rest. It's <laughs> <laughs> stunning. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Can't wait to see the king. You know, he's 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 must have been bristling like a good old Roman emperor for the last few days, twiddling his moustache and rattling his jewellery and just waiting to get going. There's always a phony war element to to the World Cup until until the the big dogs turn up and start to play. Um, Wednesday's the day for that one. Southampton, the venue. Um, all right, all the fun of the fair to come. Um, this has been the Wisdom Cricket Extra podcast in partnership with Betfair Exchange. We'll be back next Tuesday, Joe. Yeah, Tuesday it is. Uh, but before then, of course, you can listen to the Wisdom Cricket Daily podcast, which just keeps on rolling. My thanks to Neil Manthorpe, the legendary Neil Manthorpe, who's given me the thumbs up. He's already back in his chair. Joe, thank you as ever. Folks, hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll be back next week. Podcast Network.